Jeremiah chapter 20, if you have your Bibles and you turn with me there, Jeremiah chapter 20, we're going to look at just a few verses here and consider a thought that has been on my heart for some time and a thought that I think I need, so if you don't need it, you just bear with me, but I suspect that some of us are in the same place as Jeremiah was here in chapter 20 and verse 7. If you would stand with me. And we'll read just a few verses for the respect of God's word. Let's look in verse 7. Jeremiah writing or speaking and he says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil. Because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. If you're familiar with the book of Jeremiah, you know that God had given him an inspired message to tell of the forecoming judgment upon Judah. And it was a very unique warning because Babylon was coming regardless of the efforts Judah would put forth. And the word of the Lord came and directed Jeremiah to tell the people, you submit to the Babylonians. They're coming... You submit and I'll, go, I'll show mercy upon you and they'll show mercy upon you. But if you resist them, you're also resisting me and much pain and, and heartache will come. Well, as you can imagine, this is not a message that the nation enjoyed, especially the king. This was more like a conspiracy with the enemy nation against Judah. And here he says, God, your word was to me a derision. They were mocking me. They were scoffing me. And I I found myself in a place where I said, I can't take it anymore. And I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop preaching what you've told me to preach. I'm going to stop living like you've told me to live. But he said, there was something within me that I couldn't resist. There was a fire, as it were, shut up in my bones. We're going to talk this morning on the subject of reviving the fire. So I hope you give your attention to the Word of God. And may God speak to our hearts. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for the truth of scripture. We thank you for inspiring and preserving it for us and our generation to receive. Lord, may we not just read it, but may we receive it and accept it as truth. And Lord, I pray that through it you would speak to our hearts and that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to consider a few points and be very direct and maybe brief on each of them. Here Jeremiah has this fire within him, this passion, this longing, this, if we could just kind of describe this fire, this was something that God had placed within him. This was something that it wasn't just uh, worked up, it wasn't influenced by what was going on around him. It wasn't this, uh, if we could call it a mob religion, you know, everybody's doing it, so I'm going to do it too. Everybody's singing, so I'm going to sing too. You know, it's just kind of a, 
a uh, infectious um, enthusiasm. No, on the contrary. He was opposing the society. He was opposing the king. He was opposing uh, his generation. He was opposing everything to obey God. This was something that he hadn't just um, thought up or he hadn't just read on the internet. He hadn't just been, um, you know, uh, indoctrinated by a teacher or a parent. This was something that directly came from the Almighty. And in fact, if you would turn back to Jeremiah chapter number 1. This is the calling or the, uh, really the calling came long before he even understood it. But this is the revelation of God's calling to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 4 says, When the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He said, Even before you were born, I knew you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He said, I had a, a plan for you prior to your birth. Then look down at verse number 8. He says, be, God says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. We see the calling of Jeremiah here, and God says, I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you my words, and I want you to prophesy and to preach and proclaim this news to the nation of Judah. And he begins to do that. And if you, we were to read through the chapters leading up to this, and even the chapters to follow we would find him proclaiming this unpopular message, but this message that came from God. And then we see the reproach he finds with it. We find the, the scorn and the scoffing and the resistance to it. <clears throat> but here we see it was a fire that was directly from God. So let us ask the question, what, what was the reason for the fire? And let's apply this to our own lives today. Jeremiah is our example, but we're not in Jeremiah's day anymore. We're in this New Testament era. Is there a reason for a fire within us? And I say absolutely. And where does that come from? Well, let's just give it one term, and that would be the new birth. Why don't you turn to Romans chapter 3? I'm going to read while you're turning there. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, and he says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus told this man, Nicodemus, there's required, something required, and that's the new birth. That's to be born again. In the book of Romans, Paul expounds upon this to the Romans. Chapter 3, verse number, let's just look at verse number 22. He says, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ and all and upon all that, them that believe, he says, the righteousness of Christ, God's righteousness is upon all those who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all begin in the same place. We're all sinners. But look at verse number 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is a free gift that Jesus offers all men. Whom, verse number 25, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. 
By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Yes, there is boasting, but it's not in me and my good works because it wasn't my works that brought me to Christ. Instead, it was actually Christ coming to me. Therefore, He's able to get the glory. We find the new birth is not a, an action necessarily on our part. It's not our works. It's not our goodness. It's not our um, religion. It's not our associations, but it's all Christ. Look over in chapter number 5. You're in Romans chapter 5. Look at just verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, this fire begins in a person's life when he receives Jesus Christ as his Savior. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I've never done that. I've been baptized maybe or I've been in church all my life or I've come to church irregularly and I know some of the ideas or the thoughts of religion and I know some principles of the Word of God. But here it's very clearly in just these few passages we could look at scores of references throughout the Word of God that declare unto us that salvation is only through Jesus Christ and it's by faith and through grace. Not what you can do but what Jesus has already done for you. You say, well, what, what, what does this have to do with a fire within us? Well, let's continue. Um, look over. We, we turn to 1 Corinthians. You're in Romans, just a little bit to the right. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6. In verse number 9, here, this church at Corinth had many issues. The people were struggling even after their salvation, but no doubt before they came to Christ, they had many struggles. Here Paul relates some of them. In verse number 9 he says, uh, you're in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. See, he goes through all the sins that man could even think up, many of them um, uh, that were moral transgressions and then transgressions in the second verse to their fellow man. And he says all these things, these type of people, he says, shall not enter the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. But then look at verse 11. What a wonderful passage where he says, and such were some of you. See, before Christ, that's who you were. Before Christ, you were the, the vile sinner. You were the rejecter of God. You were separated from the Father. But then look at what he says in verse 11, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You're in uh, 1 Corinthians. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He says, when you're in Christ, you're something different than you used to be. You're not that old man that you used to be. You're not that old woman that you used to be. You don't have the old nature. Well, you have the old nature, but it, that's not you anymore. He says, Christ now lives within you. If you were in the Sunday school hour, Brother Jedediah spent several moments and, and discussed the great 
principle, the great truth that the Spirit of God now lives within you. At conversion, God sends His Holy Spirit to live within you. In Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 29, we hear a, a phrase that comes up a few times throughout Scripture when it says, For our God is a consuming fire. Now you think just for a moment, if God who is a consuming fire now comes to live within you, that consuming fire is now within you. See, if you're here today and you're saved, there's a fire within you. You, you may not have understood that. You may never realize that. But I, you probably did realize something different, right? When, when you got saved, you realized things begin to change in your life. Not because it, it was, you were, you know, looked any different. Not because your, your location changed or your job changed. But there was some desire within you that began to realize and associate certain things that you didn't belong uh, with or, or, or you, you realize you shouldn't be doing anymore. I think if we were to go through, uh, for each person, there could be testimonies that would come up and say, you know, before I got saved, I was this or that. And immediately I began to realize this is not the way I want to live anymore. That was that fire that's now within you. Turn over to one more passage, and then we'll go back to the book of Jeremiah, 1 John, almost to the book of Revelation, you have the epistles of John, so toward the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter number 4, and we'll just look one more time at this fact that God lives within you if you're saved, 1 John chapter number 4, in verse number 13 he says, uh, this is John the Beloved writing, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. He, God, is dwelling in us because he hath given us of his spirit, what we just talked about. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. See, when you got saved, the Spirit of God entered in to live within you, and he brought that flame to indwell you. This morning there are people here today without being judgmental or rude or unkind, but by your own example and by your own testimony, there appears to be no fire within you. That's why there are moments where sermons as pastor preaches, there's something more exciting on your phone than what the, the Word of God has to offer. There are those that, as we sing the glories and praises of God, there seems to be just a, a lack of concern and any desire for those things. You know, based upon the Word of God, if there's a fire within you, it ought to be evident. If not to others, there ought to be something within you that you realize, God's dwelling in me. If you're here this morning and you say, I've never experienced that, this would be a wonderful day to receive Christ as your Savior. This would be the best day of your life to just allow Christ to enter in and bring that fire to you. But turning back to Jeremiah, we can find moments in our life where this fire becomes a, a challenge to maintain or, or to live with. 
This is where Jeremiah was because we see now the reproach of the fire. We saw the reason of the fire. That's God living within us. That's the calling of God. That's the work of the Spirit of God. But now we see the reproach of the fire. In verse number 7, he says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. I think from Jeremiah's point of view, he says, God, you told me to preach this message. And I feel like I've been tricked. Because look down in the rest of verse 7. He says, I am a derision daily. This is like a, a, a mocking, a, um, a laughing stock. He says, I'm a derision. Everyone mocketh me. Now, you've heard people say this. Maybe your kids say this. Or maybe you've said this. You know, no, you can't do this. And they say, well, everybody's doing it. Well, no, everyone's not doing it. But, you know, our perspective sometimes, everyone has, seems to be doing it. Or, everyone was laughing at me. And usually that's an, a bit of an exaggeration. But, you know, in Jeremiah's day, this was hardly an exaggeration. Because all the other prophets were saying, nope, resist Nebuchadnezzar, resist Babylon, and God will give you victory. That's what the other so-called prophets were saying. The king himself said, we don't want to hear this anymore. In fact, if we were just to read a few chapters later, we find him taking the writings of Jeremiah and taking a knife and, and cutting it out page by page and tossing it into the fire. Rejecting his word, rejecting his truth. Jeremiah says, they're mocking me. They're laughing at me. He says it twice here in verse 7 and then again in verse 8. He says, I'm a derision daily. He says, God, I can't get a break. Day after day after day, I find there's a resistance and an opposition. And it, it seems to me overwhelming and unbearable. Some of you have experienced that. You've gotten saved and God's changed your life. And you begin to change your actions for a person who's changed from the inside begins to change their outward appearance, their outward language, their outward actions. See, when you get, when the Spirit of God comes to live within you, He begins to reflect upon your life. And it's, you know, you, you bring the Creator and you cram Him into your life, and He's going to overflow. And you remember the people at work begin to mock you. Or the other family members at the family reunion look down upon you. Or your, your, your children wondered, why can't we do this that the other kids do? Or why can't we watch these shows? I, I've, I've heard teenagers in, in our youth group, there have been times where I, I've literally heard teenagers say, well, you probably don't know the, this TV show because you're not allowed to watch those movies. And there's a derision and there's a, there's a, there's a challenge to maintain this. There's a challenge when you seem like a fanatic for being in church on Sunday morning and coming back Sunday night and then being here Wednesday night and singing in the choir and coming to work days and being involved in ministry. And you begin to look around. David did this in the Psalms. He said, I, my, my feet were in a slippery place because I looked and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And it appeared that those who were transgressing and those who were rejecting God... At times it seemed like they were better off than I was. He didn't say this, but if we could bring this into the 21st century, he, was, he could have said, they have a bigger boat than me, and they have a nicer house, and, and they, don't, they don't give tithes and offerings. And they seem to have more money and get to go on better vacations. 
And everything just seems to be going well for them, even though they're rejecting God. And here I am, denying self and finding it a reproach. You were over in Corinthians. I should have told you to mark your place. We're going to be back there. Let's look at just two passages. Because if there was ever reproach for the New Testament believer, here's two of them. 1 Corinthians, let's start there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 21. First Corinthians chapter 1, in verse number 21, it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Look down in verse number 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We find that the preaching of the cross causes reproach in our day. You know, we're living in a day where everything seems to be acceptable. You're not allowed to cast any kind of judgment regardless of people's actions, regardless of people's, you know, appearance regardless of people's religion, nothing, you, unless you're, unless you're uh, you know, a conservative, then it's okay to cast judgment upon conservative. But everyone else, you know, nope, can't, you can't say anything negative. You can't even consider uh, reproving them. And when it comes to religion especially, there are so many, I mean, a pastor just read the other night that Native American Bible. Some of you are here for that, where there's a, translation for Native Americans, and basically they've turned Jesus into, you know, our great father or something like that, or, or, or I forget what even they use the term for, but just a, really a, a reproach to true doctrine and Bible uh, and scriptural doctrine. But, you know, we're living in a day where all roads just lead to heaven. Doesn't matter who you are, you know, Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist, Buddha, Hindu. We're just, we're all, we're all on different roads heading to the same place. That's what a lot of people will, will, will say. And, and I think they truly believe that. I was at a door just the other day. We handed a, a lady one of these gospel tracts that say, Do all roads lead to God? And we didn't even think about it until after we left. But she was talking with us and... And we had, we, it seemed to be a pretty good visit until she asked this question. She said, you know, there was, I was at a funeral the other day, and we, I was talking to a lady, and she said, you know, we all, we all just kind of, we're, we're, we're believing in the same God, and so we're all going to the same place. We're all, and basically what I just said, we're all on different roads, but we're going to the same place. And she kind of asked my opinion on that. And I tried to be as kind and courteous as I could, but Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's pretty cut and dry. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So according to Jesus Christ, if you go through any other way besides him, you're going the wrong way. And I tried to kindly explain that to her, and she immediately was done talking with us. Because it was contrary to her idea because it's a lot easier and a lot more pleasant to just accept we're all, we're all just kind of going to the same place. 
And it was ironic that she held in her hand the question, do all roads lead to God? You want to be a derision and a reproach? Preach Christ crucified and he's the only way. I made mention of this. You're in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. In case Donald Trump was watching online, I wanted to make sure he knew where to go. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. It says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? We're in 2 Corinthians 6, 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Remember, that's what we just talked about. You're now the dwelling place for the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then look at verse 17. Wherefore, because you're the temple of God, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You want to be a reproach? Preach Christ and live a righteous life. Have standards in your life. And you, you'll find you become a reproach to society. You'll be a reproach maybe even to your extended family. You'll be a reproach to your neighbors. You look different. You act different. You speak different. You don't go there. You don't go here. You don't say that. And for Jeremiah, this was brought by simply obeying the word of God. I can't promise you that obedience to God is going to be easy, as Jeremiah found. Let's turn back there to Jeremiah chapter 20. We saw the reason for the fire. We saw the reproach of the fire. Let's look for Jeremiah, the restraint of the fire. Verse number 9. He said, as verse 9 says, then, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. He said, I'm going to restrain this fire, this calling. He said, I, I, maybe, I could just, maybe I could just be a prophet without this message and be a little more agreeable. Maybe I could res restrain this message and get by a little easier. Maybe I could make some friends. Maybe my uh, Facebook would be unlocked and you know, my, my, I would be unbarred from Twitter. If I would quit preaching just like this, maybe it would be easier for me and more enjoyable for me. You know, I think it's safe to say that it maybe even in this room, there are people who there was a time where that fire burned within you as it was burning in Jeremiah. There was a passion for the things of God. There was a passion for the Word of God. There was a passion for, as we heard that song just a minute ago, people need the Lord. And you long to spread the gospel and you, you long to be a witness. And it wasn't that even you longed to do it, you couldn't help it. Because God had changed you and you wanted to be a source of inspiration to others. Maybe you remember a time when God called you or led you into the ministry or to preach. And you wanted to preach to anyone, if it was preaching the children's churches or in the nursing homes or in the jails, you desired to be there. 
if it was an opportunity to work or to witness or to serve or to just be a blessing in whatever way it might be, you longed for that. But then you found that became difficult. You, became, you, you found that that wasn't all that popular. It wasn't so popular to be in church three or four times a week. It wasn't easy to say no to your children. It wasn't easy to maintain guidelines in the home. And you said, maybe we could just restrain this area. Maybe we could just, we could just go a little easier on this. You know, I, this isn't so popular and this isn't so, you know, so friendly to the world. Maybe we could just minimize these things. Maybe there was areas in your life that you were convicted on and you said, I'm, I'm going to say no to these things. The, the, these are not going to be the influencing parts of my life, but that was difficult. And it was easier just to say, maybe we could just have a little bit of this and enjoy a little bit of that. And you begin to restrain that fire within you. That's where Jeremiah is at. He's wanting to restrain the fire. But for him, look at verse number 9. It says in the middle of the verse, But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. See, all the while he attempted to restrain it, he knew this isn't best. This isn't right. Yes, maybe it's more popular. Maybe it's easier. But I've lost my purpose. And I've lost my passion. And I've lost my zeal and my fire. I've lost what I knew to be the instruction of the Almighty. Well, I've got good news for you today, if that's where you're at. Because there's opportunity for a renewal of the fire. There's, a, there's an opportunity for you today to renew that flame from within. See, he said, the word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. He said it was wearing me out trying to hold this back. And I suppose there are believers maybe here today who you be, you've faced weary times as you've allowed carnality to enter into your life. And you found the, what looked like joy to have no restraints on your life or no boundaries on your life. To, you, you found that the lack of boundaries becomes bondage and slavery. That's where Jeremiah found himself. And he says, I'm weary and I could not stay. He said, I'm not, I can't endure this any longer. Aren't you glad that Jeremiah came to this place in his life where he said, no, I'm not going to restrain this fire. For the sake, I mean, we would probably not have the rest of the book of Jeremiah. Wouldn't that be disappointing? We wouldn't know how the story ended. It would be another story of Jonah where it just had like a, a drop-off ending. But instead, Jeremiah said, I'm going to renew this fire. I'm going to rekindle this fire. See, the fire's not gone. Let me read you a verse in Matthew, verse number, or chapter number 24. Jesus said this in verse 12. He said, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. He says their love is going to wax cold in Matthew 24, 12. It's going to die down, but the love is not gone. It's just become cold. I don't believe the fire ever burns out in a believer's life because as Brother Jedediah spent time this morning discussing, 
God's not going to leave you. Once you're saved, you're sealed. He, he's entered into your life and he's not leaving. But we can push him to the side. We can minimize his influence. But we can also rekindle and revive that flame. The renewal of the fire. You're in Jeremiah. Let's look at one more passage of scripture in the very next book. And that's Lamentations. Also written by Jeremiah. Lamentations comes right after Jeremiah. Turn over to chapter number 3 in Lamentations. Now I believe he wrote this passage in, in Lamentations or this was influenced by his imprisonment that would come later on in his life. He was imprisoned for preaching this word. And he was put into the dungeon. The Bible says that he sunk down in the mire. He was, we don't know how long he was there, but there... The reason for getting him out was the, um, there was a servant who said he's going to starve down there in the prison. I assume by that statement that he had been in there long enough to grow very hungry, grow very weary. But in verse number, um, look back in, uh, look at verse number 21, chapter 3. Uh, you know what, back up to verse 19. He says, remembering mine affliction and my misery... The wormwood and the gall, my soul hath been still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Then I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. See, he said, in my despair, in my agony, in my place where it seemed like that fire was growing cold and, 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 and maybe even ready to burn out in his mind. Verse number 22 comes up. And he says, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. We heard a little bit about that in the choir song. Great is thy faithfulness. He says the Lord in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Here Jeremiah was, he was struggling, he was challenged, he was, he was lonely, he was in despair, he was ready to give up, but he found that in the morning there were new mercies for him. He, he realized that it's, it's of the Lord's mercies that I'm not consumed. You know, Satan is not only a deceiver, but he's our accuser. He accuses us before God. And he accuses us before ourselves. And for far too many people, they believe the lie that said, you know, you're unworthy. You've gone too far into sin. You're too backslidden to ever get out. That zeal that you once had isn't really for you anymore. I've heard especially young people say things like this. I've specifically heard them. So, you know, I, I surrendered to this, but it was at a camp or a conference, and I was just in the moment, and everybody was doing it, so I did it too. But it wasn't real. You know, I think they're using that as a, as a cop-out to fulfill their own desires at some point in their life. Jeremiah was in that place where he said, maybe this isn't for me. But he realized that there was opportunity to renew that fire and renew that flame. You know, as a church... We need that flame in our congregation. We need that flame in our outreach. We need that flame in our worship. We need that flame in our daily living. Maybe for some of you, it's 
been dwindling. It's been dying out. I want to encourage you this morning. God's spoken to your heart. We're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a moment. And an opportunity for you to just spend some time with the Lord. I invite you to come make a place down here at the altar. And maybe there's something in your life that you've allowed to just kind of get pushed to the side. Maybe it's time to renew that. Maybe you're here today and you've never been born again. You've never known that fire to be within you. I invite you to come this morning. I'm going to be standing right down here at the front. If maybe you've got questions or there are things in your life that you need prayer regarding, there's people that can counsel with you. They can take a Bible and talk to you about your relationship with God. And I invite you to come. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to pray, and as I finish praying, I request and ask you just to obey the Spirit. Father, I thank you for the lessons from Jeremiah. Thank you for giving us opportunities day after day to come to Christ and to renew our fellowship with thee. Oh, God, forgive us for believing at times the lies that say we're unworthy. Lord, may we see and receive the truth that we're accepted, that we're loved, and that there's renewed mercy for us today if we'll just receive it. Pray you'd work in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.